It's the Hive Sports Podcast, bringing you all the buzz on sports in the Beehive State. Visit us at thehivesports.com. Against Gobert, puts his shoulder down, rolls inside, try to slam it home, and Rudy said, not tonight! John Beck is on the run, he throws behind him, it is, cut for the touchdown! Merrill for the lead, he's got it! Hello, everybody, and welcome to the RSL Sundays podcast here at the Hive Sports. One year later, still bringing you all of the RSL content throughout the week, everything you need to know. And we had a really uh, full week this week with a lot of Monarch stuff, a lot of Real stuff. So we're here to bring you all of the, the news and notes throughout the week. Alex, first of all, man, how are you doing tonight? I'm feeling pretty torn, man. As you said, I'm <laughs> stoked to be here for a year in review of RSL Sundays. First of all, I can't believe we made it this far. Second of all, I can't believe you're not sick of me at this point. But uh, we just came off the FC Dallas loss. We're recording this. The clock reads 11.28 p.m. So we are in the wake of the loss very much still. And I don't know. It's a bummer. But we'll get into that later. I am happy to have some Monarchs news to report. But uh, that should be the, the the real bright side of the episode. But beyond that, Ethan, I'm doing I'm doing just swell in in the rest of my endeavors. What about yourself, my friend? I'm doing great as well. I think uh, we've got a, a solid amount of stuff to talk about for the Monarchs uh, this week, so um, that'll be fun to talk about. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's uh, you mentioned the loss; it's a little disappointing. But man, I don't know. I'm feeling great. Like we'll let's get go. to it. We'll get to it. Let's let's uh, yeah, we'll get to it when we get to it. But excited to be here man like yeah one year later we're still cranking out the 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 heat and the the vibe so hopefully we can continue to do that on this episode today uh um, yeah, hopefully Dan you. doesn't fire us over at hive sports i i certainly hope not um but thank you all for listening today really appreciate your time uh make sure to hit up the hive sports on twitter at the hive sports is where you can find them and where you can find all of our episodes as well um, also be sure to find myself and Alex. Um, you can find me at Ethan Kershaw nine and you can find Alex at Alex Mauer on Twitter. Hit us up with any questions you may have for us or anything we can please, maybe improve I on or for RSL interactions yes. on Twitter, please. We love interactions. I love interactions to too. About all day of work. Yes, it's great. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> hit us up. Let us know if you have questions too, for like the players and coaches, cause we will be sure to uh, to ask them if time permits and time allows. Yeah, so. after after a year in review, people kind of ask. I've been asked before what our angle is and what is different that we bring to RSL pods, and it's the yeah. in depthness of our coverage. That was a weird way to say that; it didn't really work. <laughs> but we are at pretty much every single press conference, at least one of us. And if you ever have questions that you really want asked, just DM us, and we can we can do that for you. We do our best to to fire them off whenever we can. And if we can't get them immediately after post games, then we try to get them throughout the week. So if that's something you're at all interested in, if you're like, Hey, Pablo subs were kind of weird tonight. I would love to know why we only made two offensive subs throughout 90 minutes. And one of them came on in the 85th and he was a 19 year old teenager. Yeah. Ask us. And we will ask Pablo directly about that. And yeah, that's, that's yeah. kind of our, that's kind of our angle. I think is, is the, the, the post game and midweek pressers. We do our best to stay as informed as possible. So we're not yeah. just throwing, useless grenades on Twitter. Yeah. Funny enough, I actually asked that exact same question to Pablo in the post-game press conference, and we will get to that in a little bit. It's almost like I was setting you up, Ethan. (laughs) But um, you're right. You know, we try our best to be a positive pod of the people. And so, uh, you know, yeah, let us know on on ways that we can improve any interaction. We really love it. So um, with that being said, let's go ahead and jump on into the episode today and start off with our pod trivia segment. Alex, I hope you've got a banger of a pod trivia question for me. I absolutely do. And in fact, it was inspired by Matt Montgomery on the most recent episode of Off the Crossbar, a Real Salt Lake podcast. Ethan, are you ready, my friend? I am ready. Let's do it. On July 19th, 2016, Real Salt Lake lost 2-1 to one to Inter Milan on a stoppage time winner from Steven Jovetic, which, might I add, was a backheel that nutmegged goalie Lalo Fernandez. What I want to know from you is this, however, Ethan. Which RSL attacker scored the lone goal for the home side? If you need multiple choice, I've got it for you. A, Olmes Garcia. B, Juan Manuel Martinez, better known as Burrito. Or C, Jordan Allen. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So you... We kind of did those funny little mid-year friendlies, midweek friendlies. We don't really yeah. do those anymore. Other clubs have done them. 
Everton just got waxed by Minnesota United. It was awesome to see. Yeah. But this is this is a real RSL lore here, Ethan. Well, I actually remember that game. Um, I unfortunately don't really remember who scored it because that was like six years ago and um, time flies. Well, that makes me feel old. I hated that. <sighs> but that. of course, you're welcome. Um, I feel like you're trying to bait me into not saying Jordan Allen because Jordan Allen was like injured forever and didn't like play a ton, a ton. Um, I feel like the obvious answer would be like burrito. That dude got goals. I'm not um, interested in the obvious answer, Ethan. I'm interested in your answer. What was option A again? Option A was Olmes Garcia. Golmes. Oh my gosh. Are you trying to set me up for that? Your um, timer is ticking. You have five seconds. One, two, uh, the, four seconds. Let's just go with burrito. Three seconds. Why not? Ooh, you danced around it. It was, in fact, C, Jordan Allen. He didn't play much, but he did play in this midweek friendly. So, yeah, shout out Jordan Allen on that one. Um, as we mentioned on the podcast last week, they were hosting the uh, inaugural MLS Next Pro Invitational uh, this week. And this included teams like the U21 Chelsea team, the U21 Wolverhampton Wanderers team, coming here to Utah to play against your very own RSL Monarchs. And so uh, we are going to kind of talk about the, the games and, and how they went. And um, me personally, I, I got attacked hardcore on Twitter for this. But I did believe that the Monarchs were you going to get so waxed. And Ethan, oh my goodness! Uh, me and many other people, I guess I should say, did actually believe that the Monarchs were going to get completely waxed by Chelsea and Wolverhampton. Um, but actually, did not end up going like that. Um, the Chelsea game was was very exciting, uh, really back and forth throughout the whole game. Um, RSL to steal all of my Monarchs minute content right here. Sorry, I was I was getting a little ahead of myself trying to get into the games. <laughs> Alex, take it away. You were there at these games, so I'm looking to you for the further in-depth analysis. But Ethan, if you could start yeah. with a 60-second timer. Here we go. The Real Monarchs tied go. slash beat the Chelsea U21 squad at Rio Tinto. Notable moments form this match where Diego Luna trying and nearly succeeding in uh, scoring right off the kickoff to start the second half. And Gavin Beavers saving a penalty and then burying the ensuing Monarchs' first kick from the spot. RSL would win on penalties. The Monarchs also played Wolverhampton Wanderers, as you so gratefully mentioned. U21s Saturday morning at Rio Tinto, and they would go on to wax the Wolves 2-0, controlling the match from start to finish. Defender and Monarchs minute legend, Golden the Big Machine, Mafuenta, scored the first goal for the Monarchs off of a first half on Seca corner kick, and Mondi easily slotted away the second from a beautiful assist by Aziz Kayondo in from the left. There was a little scuffle at the end of the match instigated by Wolverhampton, and it was the first time maybe all season the Monarchs proved that they were actually a team of soccer players who cared about a result and their teammates. Safe to say, I loved every second of it. Notable from this match was the first team homegrown signing and former Academy and Monarchs defender Zach Farnsworth coming off the bench for the final 15 minutes of this game. Zach hadn't played a minute for RSL or the Monarchs since 2020 due to injury, so it was great to see him back. As well, standouts from this one were both the aforementioned Big Machine and his partnership with Haziel Orozco getting better every single week and left-footed left-back 19-year-old Ugandan international Aziz Kayondo. Stop me if you've heard the first team calls for a left-footed left-back because we may have one with the Monarchs in Aziz. As well, 17-year-old Monarchs goalkeeper and penalty shootout savant Gavin Beavers has been called up to the USU-19 youth national team for a camp from July 25th through August 2nd. How did I do? Wow, that was amazing. Honestly, so much. I will take a bow. I'm almost this at a loss. Audio medium, so you can't see it, but I'm curtsying and bowing all over the place. <laughs> yes, yes, he is. Now, I Ethan, can... will you please give us some further in-depth analysis? Because you were at these games. Because you are a Euro snob, and you are going to take every opportunity to see a European team play at Rio Tinto Stadium. Yeah, it was great to watch guys like Billy Gilmore and Tyler Roberts for all of you out wow. there that know who those guys are. But I mean, Hey, it was a, an awesome opportunity to watch like some European talent come over and, and play against the Monarchs. And uh, I thought it was a good test for them, but the Monarchs did very well in both of these games. Um, the, the Chelsea game was a little interesting. The Monarchs go up one zero early and then concede two goals and are down two one. Um, they had a penalty late with Diego Luna actually um, shooting it. The goalkeeper for Chelsea saved it. So it wasn't a great penalty. Um, but a good save by the Chelsea goalkeeper. A little bit later, Pedro Fonseca steps up to take the second penalty. Um, post-game, I talked a little bit with Pedro. It was really insightful. He told me that he had been watching the goalkeeper the whole game, especially during the first penalty with Diego Luna and uh, kind of his tendencies and where he decided to go. He used that information to his advantage when taking his own penalty against the Chelsea goalkeeper, slotting it home, scoring it, and tying the game. 
So fantastic composure from Pedro Fonseca. Um, you mentioned some of the other standouts, um, but Gavin Beavers just took it in the Chelsea yeah, game. He's the man. He's the man. You mentioned you mentioned the penalty shootout. Uh, saves the first penalty, scores the first one for the Monarchs, and then from there on out, Monarchs did not miss a single one. Win the penalty shootout against Chelsea was a fantastic game. The Wolverhampton game. Um, I oh, man, I loved Tyrone Mondi. Like, how can we forget Tyrone Mondi? Just he had an incredible game, scores a goal late in this one. Um, his his footwork, his play in open space, one-on-one attacking is just incredible. So I think Tyrone Mondi had a really good game as well. Um, I yeah, to take a really those macro standouts. Too, just to interject, I agree. Those probably are the standouts. I think if I really had to key in on a couple guys, it would be Aziz Kayondo playing left back yes, and yes. Golden, the big machine, Mafuenta, which the team has fully invested in and co-opted, not co-opted, I mean, it's the guy's nickname on his Wikipedia page, but the, the social media team is very, very adamant on getting the big machine out there. And I like to think we had some small part in that happening. But I think those two for me are the major standouts because they are not necessarily vital positions of need, but I think it would be nice to have an Andrew Brody backup that could actually play with his left foot, as we saw Aziz Kayondo do in this game. And the big machine is just another young center back for a crop full of uh, with a team full of a young center backs just out the wazoo. So it's really good to see that And his partnership specifically with Haziel has made this team night and day a better defensive unit. And that's something that I think was, I mean, obviously really holding the Monarchs back ability to not give up goal after goal after goal. So that's kind of my macro view. I love Pedro Fonseca and Tyrone Mondi as well, but we do have to kind of remember that they are the elder statesmen of the squad. Both are 24 and 25 respectively, I believe. So they're at least, you know, four to five years older than pretty much anybody else on the field for these U21 squads. So they should be standing out, but they did. And so they did what they were asked. And so it was good to see that from them. But other than that, I don't have a whole lot more on the Monarchs unless you do, my friend. Um, one thing of note, Diego Luna actually did play in the first game against Chelsea. Looked very good, started and played for, I don't know, 70, 80 or so minutes uh, before being subbed out. And so um, Diego Luna looked great in this one. Um, I will also add as well, Axel Kane in these two games, actually, um, not ending up on the score sheet or on the assist sheet. But um, he had some good runs at some points, but it's it's tough with, Axel, I think sometimes he wants a through ball or every time he wants a through ball and he doesn't get it, he ends up getting a little frustrated. We saw that, um, like we saw the plenitude of that happening in these two games. So, um, a little bit of a tough go for Axel K, but he has been pretty good. Might I remind you, Ethan, apparently it switched back again to Axel Kai, like I or lie. I know, I know. It'll be Axel K next week. But for now, it is Axel Kai, my friend. And I thought you know he was a good standout as well. I thought, yeah. I mean, he's probably the only RSL forward on the roster outside of Severino that actually looks to attack and dribble at center backs. Mm-hmm. He's just not very good at it. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I think he's got plenty of time to get there. I mean, he's got a full decade before he's Pedro Fonseca's age, so he's got plenty of time to develop. But that is one thing, one attribute of his that I really like and I would want to, you know, if there was a player to watch for the Monarchs, he would be the one for me. And especially that that in-game moment, those those hard runs at defenders. But, Ethan, we have gone way over 60 seconds, my friend. Well, I just want to say one more thing real quick before we wrap it up. And I agree with you. We talked they a little bit too much right. about them, but they, they, they have earned it. Uh, the Monarchs have won their last four games. Like, that's incredible. Like, great job to them um, after having such a difficult start of the season. But I, I asked Golden Mafuenta in the post-game... The big machine. Press, the big machine the, in the post-game press conference, <laughs> kind of about, you know, gelling with this team. And, and he said, yeah, it's been great to be able to, to gel with these guys. He's like, I love, you know, playing soccer with these guys day in, day out. And it's just been a very enjoyable time. If you missed it, his goal celebration was actually pretty awesome, just pulling out some dance moves in the post-game presser. He also mentioned that, you know, he just likes to dance a lot. He does a lot of dancing in the locker room. So, um, you know, great guy, I think, to have in the locker room. Really locker room guy, based so. on vibes. I'm sure the yes. first team loves that. Oh, yes. Between that and Pedro's samba, because he's Brazilian, and all Brazilians, you know, they all samba. So, like, yeah, between those two things, for sure. So, it was just awesome. Uh, and you talked about vibes. Just great vibes throughout this entire Invitational. Unfortunately, there's no trophy. There's no, like, higher motivation to win this tournament just bragging rights but it's nice for the monarchs to be able to get that confidence going forward for the rest of the season so yeah that's it it really is i agree all right uh let's go ahead and move on to our game review 
this one was ah, ah, may I back you up, my friend? I would like right. to interject. I with forget a, a news segment. We haven't come up with a catchy name yet. But I was just getting really too excited. I've got two things I really want to talk about, and so yes. I just needed a needed a moment in a space to news. do that. And those two things are unfortunately Gustavo Cuellar and David Ochoa. I'm going to start with the latter because I just kind of want to get it out of the way. This is, I hope it's not just me speaking here for myself. Uh, but this is, I, I want to thank a very pro David Ochoa podcast. And I say that for a few reasons. Obviously, negotiations have not gone the way David nor the team would have wanted them to. It looks increasingly likely that he is going to leave the team on a free transfer to probably a decent destination. And he's probably going to continue to receive Mexican national team call-ups because he hasn't yep. been playing and he's been receiving them regardless. So I don't see why any of that would change. So we have an incredibly talented, young academy goalkeeper, came through the system, moved away from home to do so, really invested in the club, and what happens? He becomes the starter at a very young age over more experienced, more probably at the time steady MLS goalkeepers, and the team absolutely feeds into it. And not only do they feed into it, they prioritize and they market and they exploit his villainous, and if you can't see my air quotes, I'll read them out for you, tendencies. We saw it in the USL Cup final. We saw it in the playoffs leading up to that. We saw it in Minnesota in one of his early MLS starts. We saw it in Seattle when he's shushing the crowd. We saw it in Kansas City when he was shushing the crowd. The team loved it. You can just go yeah. to RSL's Twitter and just keyword search villain, and guess who's going to be there? It's going to be David Ochoa. And so as a very young, very... Largely inexperienced player, if you are given that type of press coverage and that type of marketability, likely your ego is going to be inflated. If you become one of, if not the most important faces of a franchise as a young player, and the reason you are doing so is because of your villainous antics, surely you're going to assume that those are okay. If you are at a job and you are doing a good job and your bosses continue to perpetuate the things that are making you good and the things that you really enjoy doing, you're going to continue to do them. And it's hard for a young player when those lines are blurred between what's acceptable on the field and what's not acceptable on the field to bring that to practice every day. And I would just like to frame it as such. If you are very good at your job and other bosses from outside your work are calling you in for them to do your job like the Mexican national team did, and you get calls from other agencies or other workplaces that they want to then hire you on, what should you do, Ethan? You should ask for a raise. That's what you should do because that's yep. how the world works. When you are making $100,000 less than your backup in the same amount of money as a Monarchs goalkeeper and Jeffrey Duesnup, yet you are the face of the franchise and have a season of MLS experience under your belt and you look to be extremely talented, you should go ask for a raise and it should probably be a considerable raise. And if they say no, guess what? You can move on to another workplace. Unless that team does not allow you the opportunity like we saw in David's Instagram post where he claims that the team is holding him hostage in a way that will not allow him to seek a trade or a transfer somewhere else. All of this to say RSL front office has seemingly handled this extremely poorly, as well as David Ochoa, who has made who is very culpable in this experience in this situation as well. I don't want to assign blame to either one. All I want to do is to allow fans not allow fans because you know i'm not in charge of this whole thing but to <laughs> help bring to light the culpability that i feel the club has in creating david ochoa the ego in the measured and calculated decisions to market him as such that's all i want is for for a fair look at the club's handling of a very young player in that way and how it helped make him become the player that they didn't want him to be and the villain off the field against the front office that they didn't want him to be. Ethan, do you have anything? I'm sorry. I really needed this soapbox moment. It's been frustrating to watch the David Ochoa saga unfold. It feels like it's coming to a screeching and delirious end. It doesn't seem like it's at all imminent, unfortunately, but that's all I've got. That's I just had to get that off my chest. I mean, in case you're wondering what David Ochoa is up to nowadays, he's uh, at Gardner Village and at Soccer City playing yeah. pickup games for yeah. fun. Great so. catch there, Ethan. Yeah, so good for him. <laughs> on to the next piece of news. I know we're, we're, I don't want to make us run too long here, so I'll be quick. Gustavo Cuellar. If he was going to be signed by RSL, he would have been signed by now, yep. right? And we don't mm -hmm. talk about rumors like this too often on this podcast, but it's going to feed into some of the 
answers I discuss from Pablo's postgame presser later on. So I just wanted to give a lot of context. There is, you know, no inside information here in regards to Cuellar. I just feel that we are two weeks into the transfer window. We have sold or transferred three players out, opening up three international roster spots. We have been in communications reportedly with Gustavo Cuellar since before preseason and their team and his team, excuse me, Al Hilal is currently not in season and not playing. If a deal was going to be done, it would have already been done by now. So I am not, that's not news. I'm not breaking anything. I just feel as if that would be the case. I know there's a lot of T's to cross and a lot of I's to dot, but I just do not feel that he is at all in the cards anymore, strictly because I feel like it just would have already been done by now. Does that feel fair? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, and I don't want to sound dreary about it, but let's just like just being realistic, like that feels like a position of need to an extent and it feels like it's not going to get filled. And that's that's just extremely frustrating. Maybe, you know, they sign him tomorrow and it it makes me look silly, but I just don't see why it wouldn't have already happened. No, yeah, I and I agree with you. I, I think at this point, unfortunately, it doesn't happen for the team. They don't bring in Cuellar. Um, but let's try and look at the, I guess maybe the positive side of be like slightly optimistic about it. Like um, if you're getting a guy like Cuellar, you've mentioned before that maybe you push up a guy like Pablo Ruiz a little farther up the field. And I think that is a great idea, but I think in the current, like the current formation and current system that the team runs, which Pablo probably won't end up going away from because he just loves it so much. I, I think that, Cuellar would come in and ultimately maybe replace a Pablo Ruiz or like a Jasper Loffelson, which I I don't feel like right now in the season, either of those guys are really replaceable. I think that those guys are must-starts every single game based on how they've been playing lately. Um, if you bring in a guy like Cuellar, you can't just bench him. He needs to start. But Pablo Ruiz and, and Loffelson play in, like I, I guess, a similar... They're not obviously as good defensively and physically as Cuellar would be. But I mean, it's as far as the midfield work that they do in box to box, it's, it's fantastic. You can't leave either of those guys on the bench consistently, I think. And so while I do agree with you that this sucks a little bit, I think that there are, there, there's opportunities that could be taken away from it. And I, I personally, I personally think that we need to sign a striker. Like, I think that is at this point could probably be more of a need than, signing, uh, like, don't get me wrong. I want to get Cuellar. Like, we want him on the team because he's amazing, like, from what we've seen. But I I really would prefer a guy that can score goals with consistency, which, unfortunately, is something that RSL does not have right now. I love this hypothetical. And if you enjoy this as well, put a pin in it because we are going to circle on back to it because Pablo Mastroeni gave a very uh, frank <laughs> and truthful response when I asked him about his feelings on if we needed new signings for this team following the FC Dallas loss, which Ethan, I don't think there is a better segue into it. Let's, let's dive on into the FC Dallas game. Could you give me the, the match facts in the rundown really quickly here? Yes, absolutely can. All right. So uh, this game was played at the, at Rio Tinto a home game for RSL. Um, the beginning of the game looked all right, it looked like RSL was going to have a pretty good game. Unfortunately, in the beginning of the game, or near the beginning, in the 14th minute, Jesus Ferreira sneaks in behind the defense, gets a lovely through ball, slots home a goal. This was uh, started by a Justin Merrim mistake on a throw-in. Throw-in came to Merrim, Merrim slipped, kind of lost the ball, uh, turnover, just caught the defense out. There were about four or five guys on the same side of the field, right near the guy who, uh, who had the pass before the assist leaving Jesus Ferreira free to just run right through, take a shot, 1-0 Dallas. Unfortunately, the game stayed that way for the rest of the time. As far as as the scoreline goes, 1-0 was the final in this one. RSL loses at home for the first time in league play this entire season. Um, But the stats would actually favor RSL in this game. They actually played statistically a lot better than Dallas um, throughout the entire game. Uh, shots in this game, RSL 25, but only five on goal. But Dallas only had seven shots in this game, only two on goal. Um, pass accuracy, 89% for RSL. Fantastic. 73% for Dallas. Um, they had RSL had possession advantage, tackle success advantage, fouls committed advantage. You look through this stat line, and they're, almost every single stat favors RSL. Unfortunately, just not able to pull it off. Uh, Alex, dude, what, what, uh, 
Like, I understand the goal and the mistake by Justin Merriman in this one, but, like, besides that, what else kind of went wrong in this game? So I'm going to go real Pablo Mastroeni on you, for better or worse. He's brought up multiple times in post-game press conferences this year that he doesn't believe games are won or lost in stats and in possession. He believes they're won or lost in moments. And I actually tend to agree in a game like this where we dominate not only possession but also expected goals, yeah. shot, shots on goal. One moment that stood out to me more than any other was Sergio Cordova having, or excuse me, Sergio Snordova, if you will, with a header directly at the keeper seven minutes in. It was yeah. not necessarily a free chance, but it was one where after his headed goal last week, you really assumed that the proverbial monkey was off of his back and it was something he could do now, score in the air with his head. He couldn't. He was maybe six yards out and he puts it in the one spot that he should not have, and it was the one spot that the keeper could save it. That is a moment for me that didn't help us in this game at all. And unfortunately, it was one that I think came back to bite us because we've seen at times when we score first at home, the floodgates kind of open because it forces teams to come out of their shell. The exact opposite happens in this game where Dallas score first, and as Pablo Mastroeni would mention in the postgame presser, they could put eight or nine guys in their own box to defend. And that's what we face. We face, you know, in football, you hear of a stacked box when you have a really good running back. That's kind of what we had today. Yeah. It was a stacked mm-hmm. box of defenders. And unfortunately, the game plan seemed to be get the ball wide and then whip in crosses. But unfortunately, we don't have an aerial threat. Sergio Cordova certainly isn't that, despite how many times Pablo Mastroeni says he is in the postgame pressers. He's not. There's just nothing to bear out that he is. His aerial duel stats are not very good. And his headed goal stats are also at one throughout almost 1,500 MLS minutes. So it was a really interesting approach from the team, but it almost paid off. And so that's why I'm kind of stuck in this limbo because if Andrew Brody's chance gets slotted away at the end of the half in the first, I think this is a really different looking game. And as Pablo said, that's one of those moments where the tide can really turn in a way that the stats don't necessarily reflect. And I don't want to sound like I'm throwing out the stats because I don't want to do that because I don't think it's productive or conducive to coming up with a game plan that's sustainable and repeatable. But I just feel that it was really lost in these, these moments where we just weren't clinical enough. And if you're going to talk about the team needing a a number nine, I agree with you. And I have been the conductor of the Christian Benteke to RSL train for a long time now. He's older, he's 31, but I think the quickest fix to this team is actually not a center defensive mid or Gustavo Cuellar. I think the team has been really solid defensively. We gave up two shots on goal in this game. We looked really good in possession. Well, we looked, we we had a lot of possession. I don't know necessarily (laughs) that I'd say we looked really good in it. Our problem is scoring goals. We just can't hit the back of the net. And I think the quick fix is a really productive number nine that can come in and bag 15 goals in an MLS season. And I am sick and tired and I don't, I really don't want to get too down and, you know, doom and gloom on this podcast, but I'm sick and tired of the excuses that come out of the front office. And no, it is not just an RSL thing, but the, the, the time and time again, we hear that midseason acquisitions don't always have enough time to adapt to the league. Cucho Hernandez, Gareth Bale, Lorenzo Insigne, Bernadeschi, all those guys disagree. They've come in and they have made an immediate impact. Jefferson Savarino, immediate impact. I get that he's kind of an outlier because he's been here before. There is no reason to believe that RSL could not sign a player similar. Do you think Cucho Hernandez is really excited about living in Columbus, Ohio? No, no one is. No, RSL <laughs> probably never going to get a bail, but I don't want them to think in that closed-minded way. I want them to. I would love the club to at least pretend to be as ambitious as they are to go get a Gareth Bale. And if you, if you listen to yeah. um, Trey Fitzgerald's. Uh, Bleeding Claret and Cobalt podcast this week with Rob Zarcos. He mentioned that the the team is ambitious, man. And that's how he said it. Or not the team, sorry, excuse me. The ownership is ambitious, man. And if that's true, and they really are ambitious and they're really ready to spend, what is the front office doing? And, and, yeah. I, and I don't mean that in like an, uh, I don't mean that in as an accusatory tone as I, you know, really made it seem, but if there's no financial barriers, which has been RSL's Achilles heel for a decade now, what's stopping us? What's stopping us from going out there and getting Cucho Hernandez? It's not a guy hard to scout. You get a fantastic player on a good team that's getting relegated. That's like the recipe for success. Those are the yeah. guys that you target. That's, that's not difficult. Yeah. Those like are- Cuellar, he was scouted by Andy Williams. <laughs> Yeah, has been in the RSL like telescope for a very long time now. What is the holdup? You had seven months to get Cuellar over the line and you couldn't do it. 
really? Like, it, it's frustrating for me to hear, and I don't want to just call them excuses because I understand that there are so many things that have to go right to get a transfer done, but there are other teams in the league that are clearly finding ways to do it. And it's if you true. look back over the last seven to eight years, five teams have dominated MLS Cup. It's Seattle, it's Toronto, it's Portland, it's Atlanta, and I'm forgetting, it's the Columbus crew. They're spending money. They're filling their designated player spots. And without doing that, I don't know that this team can compete. And I, I don't want to get too lost in the macro view of this FC Dallas review because, you know, I think there's still a lot we can take from the individual performances in this game. I just want to really hit on there's two weeks left in the transfer window. Yeah. And for me, that's two weeks left to change the course of our season because I think we have been a very up and down team. And the best way, I believe, to aid in that is to go out and spend a lot of money and bring in a difference making player like a Jefferson Savarino who has come in and immediately been an impact player for us but I, I've gone too far off the rails could you please give me something about this FC Dallas game that can bring me back down to earth and back to this review and out of my my macroscopic view of of the RSL transfer saga no I, I agree with you I, I just want to like real quick uh rehash kind of something you talked about um Toronto's third, 13th right now in the East, and they're able to bag a guy like Insigne, right? And like Vancouver. And like, yes, and, Ber- and Bernadeschi. Uh, but like, and then, you know, Vancouver's 10th right now in the West. And a while back, they got a guy named by the name of Ryan Gould, who came over from Sporting Lisbon over in Portugal and made a fantastic impact on their team last year and last season. Completely changed their tra- the trajectory of their team. Can you believe it, Ethan? Expensive impact players from proven leagues and divisions are impactful in MLS. Can you believe it, sir? I cannot. I R- R- cannot. RSL needs to do it, but I don't know when that's going to happen. If it ever happens, unfortunately. But let's stay positive as we right, try right. to try to do... Um, and we'll try and kind of get off the, the Sergio Cordova. Um, Sergio Snordova, thank you very much. Snordova Express. But I, and I, and I, this, is the la- this is the last thing I'm going to say on Sergio Cordova for the, the rest of my human life. <laughs> he is exactly the player that we have said he is yes. since mm-hmm. the beginning of the season. You were a little more optimistic, optimistic about him. I yeah. was very much prove it and then I'll believe it. He is he exactly the player that he has been for his 1,500 RSO minutes. He will probably end the year with somewhere around six to eight MLS goals. He will not have very many assists, and he probably won't be on this roster in the next year. His loan expires at the end of the year. I don't see them renewing him at this current rate. I would love to see that change because, again, he does get into really good spots. But at this point, you can say with authority that he is not a very good finisher, and it does not look like that's going to change anytime soon. And so until he is no longer the player that we continue to say that he is, I am going to, to not that I have, but I am going to continue to stop giving him the benefit of the doubt. And he was one of the sore spots for me in this game because the guy just cannot finish. Yeah, yeah he can't finish. Uh, a lot of times he can't keep possession. And a culmination of probably all his frustration, obviously I feel bad for the guy, can tell he's a competitor, can tell he wants to win. But unfortunately for him, just a culmination of all the frustration ends at the end of the game with him just kneeling down and laying on the ground. Not even kneeling. He was laying flat on his face. He has a chance to tie the game. He he kneeled down first. And he kneels and then he lies on his face and nobody comes over to him. It was so weird. Like Marcelo Silva looked at him, acknowledged that he was down. And just walked around him. Walked away. It was so weird. It was so strange for a team that is so incessantly pushing the vibes narrative to just literally leave a guy stranded out there. But I'm not going to read too much into that. Like I don't read into Axel Kai's body language, but it was needless to say it was, it was, I mean, not funny. I feel for the guy, but it was definitely intriguing. It was, it was fitting. It was fitting. I think it's, it's been unfortunate for Sergio um, over the last couple of games and ironic as well that, Pablo in the post-game press conference, fantastic question asked by our very own Alex Maurer, talking about why isn't Rubio Rubin getting time? And Rubio Rubin didn't even come off the bench in this game and play. And he's uh, Pablo talked about Rubio Rubin's confidence and said, well, the guy hasn't scored in a while, so his confidence is a little low, needs to get that goal. Okay, well, how yeah, about you bring him... It's a real chicken or the egg situation there. Like, bring him into a game guy... where we're down 1-0 and we need a goal. Yeah, and I asked score this, shout out Trevor Brady. He was the one that suggested, like, guys, please ask something about Rubio Rubio yeah. and why he's not seeing mm-hmm. the field. And so I asked exactly that. I was like, is there something missing from Rubio's game? And he was like, no, which I 
found to be kind of weird because that seemed like a lie in the same vein that he says in his radio interviews that David Ochoa was doing everything right that the team was asking. Like, clearly he's not because clearly he's not with the team. He's not doing everything right. You're lying to me. And in this situation, he said Rubio is doing everything right and there's nothing missing from his game. He's just not he hasn't scored a goal in a long time. It's like, well, neither had Sergio Cordova, Cordova before, before the last before game, of course, of like 600 MLS minutes. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, it, it is very weird. And one thing that I want to point out is that he did say that Sergio Cordova is a very big body. And with two big center backs, they wanted him as an aerial presence. I don't care. I don't know why. I don't know why he is not a very good aerial player. He's just not. He has one headed goal and it was a great, a great, a great goal. A really good, fantastic, hard run diving header with a defender on his back. Fantastic finish. He has missed more sitters than he has made from the air. There, it's just yeah, it's it's unbelievable. Sure. And a guy like Anderson Julio can jump. As as my eye test tells me that Anderson Julio is a much better set piece player, especially in the in the attack because he is he can jump out the gym. And I just don't see why. It's just such an easy excuse to say that this player is big and tall, and so we use him against big and tall defenders. It just it just reeks to me of a lack of tactical approach. He's just he sees a thing and says that it is a thing, despite the stats telling us otherwise. And I just don't know. Rubio Rubin, yeah. like you made two offensive subs. One of them came in the 85th minute. Clearly, you don't trust your depth. So clearly, you are looking for signings, even though we hear that the vibes in the locker room are so great that they don't want to add signings. It's I don't know. It's just weird. You're right. If Rubio Rubin yeah. is really, truly, and he said he's had a really bright week of practice and his time will come, so expect to see him on the weekend, I guess, maybe. It's just strange to me. Sergio Cordova has just shown yeah. so little that I don't know. I, I said I was going to stop talking about him, so I am. I You're promise good. I am. But it's just just how I talk about Rubio Rubin, I guess, is through the lens of Sergio Snordova. And I just I don't know what the guy has to do to get minutes because unless he's just not showing up to practice, but it doesn't sound like that's the case. He is. So, he's there. I don't know. He's there. Yeah, I know. So um, you mentioned Anderson Julio uh, would like to mention as well that there were only two substitutes in this entire game. A little strange from Paulo. Um, you see Anderson Julio a bit earlier in the uh, let's see in the 71st minute is when Anderson Julio comes to the game, comes in for Michael Chang. I personally, well, you personally too, probably would have preferred that he had come in for Sergio Cordova. Um, Anderson Julio, right as he comes into the game, actually gets a header from a free kick from Dallas. So Dallas's goalkeeper kicks it. And Anderson Julio is the guy out of all people to win the header in the bunch of people around Cordova, nowhere to be seen. Um, that's that. <laughs> that's the last one player is an aerial presence and his name's not Sergio Snordova. Very interesting. Yes. And very, and his, interesting. Name, his name is Anderson Julio. So two subs come into this game. Anderson Julio in the 71st, Diego Luna late in the 87th minute. Personally, I thought Diego Luna looked great. I would have liked to have seen him a little bit earlier, give him some more options and chances to create in this one. Thought Anderson Julio looked very good when he came into this game. I asked Pablo about the lack of substitutions in the post-game presser, and he noted that um, it was in the 66th minute that uh, Dallas subs off Paul Ariola, an attacking player, subs in, and Kosi Burgess, or Kosi, whatever they have his last name as in here, I keep changing, uh, Tafari. They put him in. He's a center back. They go to a back five. And from that point on, Dallas was playing park the bus, moves all of their guys back, just playing a very hard defensive game. Pablo said that, you know, there's not a lot of options when they move their entire team back and they're playing defense. And uh, he needed attacking options, guys that could get goals, guys that could score. He's kind of hinted towards the fact that he felt like he didn't really have that on the bench. So maybe a little bit of a slight at guys like Bodie Hidalgo and at the aforementioned Rubio Rubin, yeah. who are both sitting on the bench and are kind of attacking players. So that was a little rough to hear. But um, I thought Anderson Julio played great. Uh, Diego Luna played great. Savarino, I think he created a lot of chances in this one, but just nothing that unfortunately happened or or went RSL's way in this one. Yeah, he had... So this is kind of where... And, you know, I probably spoke just one week too early on this <laughs> in not liking Jefferson Savarino playing in this kind of pseudo 10 pseudo striker free role looks, looks good. where where he's kind of allowed to roam because at times he becomes so far from goal where, when we're asking him to play in the central role that he's not a threat in the attack. And it happens in the 62nd minute really mm-hmm. starkly where he comes okay. so deep and picks the ball up off of a defender and then drives it to the midfield line and plays the ball out wide. And by the time the ball makes it back into the box, he's nowhere to be seen because he's catching up to the play. And so in those sorts of moments, I think he is better utilized on the wing when he can combine and get at those guys in attack rather than trying to be the connector. Because I feel he is a 
he is just so good individually that we need to be able to get him into spots where he can beat people 1v1 because there were options to be had in this game doing just exactly that. And especially combining with Aaron Herrera, who I thought had his best game for RSL this season, I think there would have been more chances created on that right wing had it been a guy as clinical as Jefferson Savarino in place of uh, Michael Chang. Excuse me, but I just also don't think there is another forward that is capable of doing what Savarino does in that position. So it makes it hard to move him out of there. I think the balance is, do you lose more out of him by playing him on the wing where he's going to get fewer touches or in playing him in the center where he's going to have fewer opportunities to get forward? I don't know. It's a decision for the for the coaching staff, and I hope they can figure it out. I would prefer to have him on the wing in a role where he is supported by midfielders that can actually get him the ball. But I don't know that that's really going to happen anytime soon coming up against some tougher competition uh, in the coming weeks. But I thought he was actually one of my lowlights for this game, Jefferson Savarino, which is hard for me to say because he was my player to watch from last episode. But I mean, he was close. He was really close. And I think if he gets that header goal that somehow gets scraped off the line and bounces over, then we're looking at this game extremely differently. That's another one of those moments that I would talk Mm -hmm. about in which this game was kind of won or lost and unfortunately lost. But outside of the offense and the attack, which we've spent a lot of time talking on, the defense was really solid in this one. I mean, we only give up two shots on goal and it happens. The goal comes from just a really silly throw in mistake. And let's be honest, a fantastic touch from Jesus Ferreira. That yeah. lets him in on goal. I mean, yeah. very few strikers in MLS put that away. And unfortunately, we don't have one that could have done it. But I mean, it's, I don't know. The defense was really good and they were the bright spot in this game. And I think they've been the bright spot of the season. And that's why I would say number nine, as you insist, is probably more of a pressing need for this team because we actually have been pretty good at keeping the ball out of our net. And those were the guys that stood out to me. I mean, Justin Glad had another really good game. Marcelo Silva was quietly solid. Zach McMahon yeah. had a couple interesting decisions playing out of the back tonight, but at least he was willing to pass the ball on the ground instead of always lumping it forward. There was the one in the first half where Justin Glad was coming back and just poor communication in which they almost ran into each other. But other than that, I mean, pretty solid, pretty clean night from Zach McMath. I don't know. There was some, I mean, as I said, Aaron Herrera probably had his best game in an RSL uniform this year. I think that is a fantastic sign because until this point, we had not seen him hit levels even close to that this year. And to know that he can still do it is for me, probably the biggest takeaway positively from this game. Yeah. I, uh, I agree with you on, on just about everything you said. Uh, Marcelo Silva had a couple of, a couple of times where he really had to hustle, really had to run, really had to, I guess, position himself in, in the right way to, to stop, uh, the, the players on the attack for, for Dallas a couple times. So Marcelo Silva, great game. Justin glad you mentioned great as well. Um, I agree with you on the Aaron Herrera thing. Maybe I was a little too harsh on Aaron Herrera last week, but um, he definitely, definitely was a bright spot for this team. I agree with you. Um, he had a lot of opportunities, a lot of crosses was faking guys out. He looked a little bit more like the Aaron Herrera that we, we knew and loved so much from last year, last season. Um, those crosses, unfortunately didn't like land, to a point where he gets an assist, but he definitely could have in this game. And uh, I don't know. He looked very dangerous the in the attack at times. Forward by yes. a country uh, mile. Maybe by this, maybe in this entire season too, I would to be fair. Wholeheartedly agree. So um, yeah, Aaron Herrera played great. And I will add as well, Andrew Brody, I thought too, looks pretty good at times he in this game. He had a couple game, of good passes with his too, which is a yes. new thing that I very much enjoy. Yes. And that's, I think that I think for me, if I had to pick like a player of the game, I would divide it between Andrew Brody and Aaron Herrera in this game. Like our wingbacks were kind of, they weren't wingbacks. Our fullbacks were, were probably bright spots, standout spots for me in this game. You mentioned Andrew Brody with his left foot has another couple crosses in this game with his left. And if he can continue to work on that and be more effective with it, Taters is going to be kind of an afterthought for a consistent starting like spot. He's not and, already, but and like, like, like he's not already, but yeah, like I, I think this back four right here is the back four that when healthy, we need to roll with every single game. It's not, that's not a hot take by any means, but like, you know, I don't like, we shouldn't overthink it. Now, if we wanted to go with your like little back, like three in the back kind of thing and everything, like, I don't know, maybe we throw in like Eric Holt into that mix or something or, I don't know. At that I, point, I would like to see Hazia, sorry, but... At this point, I'm just dreaming about a back three. I don't think it's ever going to happen, despite the fact that 
it would be yes. the greatest thing to ever happen to this team and we would win MLS Cup. But we've talked about pretty much yeah. everybody but the midfielders who I think were... Hold on, one second. Oh. I need to add something about McMath. Excuse um, me, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, sorry please, to interrupt no, you. I please apologize. do, <laughs> sir, please do. Um, something that we've always knocked Zach McMath on has been his distribution. And I thought his distribution was a little more solid in this game at times. Now, yes, there were a little, some scary moments, a time where he kind of faked out a defender when the ball's like right next to him and the defender. Flyby, baby. Yes, that was great. But um, there was a ball that he had on, like, I believe the ball was passed back to him. He kicked it long. It went right over the defender's head and right to Sergio Cordova's chest. One ball that Sergio Cordova actually didn't screw up and got the ball continued, (laughs) continued moving on the attack. Harsher than I am. I mean, well, no, he has, he has a tendency to do that a lot of times on, on goal kicks yeah, and stuff. But he, he, he really trapped does. it down, brought it down, and got it going on the attack. Zach McMath, I think, has gotten better, a little bit better, at points in maybe this season than I think some people maybe give him credit for at distributing. Yeah, some, me being one of them. Passes, that was one so, thing I was yeah. very harsh on with him early in the season because I didn't think he had it in his game to progress yes. to these levels, but he has been he has been very solid. And as I was alluding to, we've talked about pretty much everybody but the midfielders who yes. were very quiet, very solid. Jasper and Pablo Ruiz Great. have a pretty good partnership. But Ethan, the thing I want to hear from you most as a certified <sighs> Justin Miram stand, you knew this was coming. Probably his first really off game for RSL in some time. What do you make of his performance and if you if you slot him out, who comes in for him? I mean, we saw Anderson Julio play a little bit on the wing this game. Do you see? Is there any way you see Justin Miram coming out of this lineup when Pablo clearly seems to very much enjoy what he brings to the team? No, and it's and the main reason is because, as you mentioned, Pablo. Pablo talked in the post game press conference that he felt like Justin Miram was creating a lot of opportunities and a lot of chances, and for that reason, kept him in the game. Did not sub him out, um, but. I, I do tend to agree with you a little more on this one. Um, definitely not Justin Merrim's best game. Had a bit, I would say he had a bit of a rough game. Maybe more of an off game, if anything. For a guy that I have preached about his consistency, this was an inconsistent game from Justin Merrim. Um, because in the beginning of the game, he allows the mistake that leads to the goal. And you just can't make those kind of mistakes. Um, he had some rough spots, some bad shots, some bad crosses, especially in the first half. But I do think that as the game grew on, he got a little bit better. And there was a chance at the end that he had a shot from outside the box that just feared wide. Uh, I, like half the crowd apparently thought that it went in and it was a goal and everyone was like cheering and then realized it wasn't a goal. But Sad times for sure. I would say, yeah, this was, this was I wouldn't say maybe the worst game of the season for Justin Merrim. Definitely was down there. Wasn't great for him. He had a bad game. Um, but I, I still like Justin Merrim. If you want somebody who slots in for him, I agree. I think Julio's a good shout. Julio did play that position, has played it at points throughout the season. And so I think if we see him replacing Justin Merrim, it's okay. But I prefer Anderson Julio coming off the bench still and Justin Merrim starting games. Um, but then I agree with you with what you said about Loffelson and Ruiz. They played great in a partnership. Ru- or Loffelson comes off late for Diego Luna in this one, so... Not much else to say for me in this game. Uh, I appreciate Michael Chang was all right, but yeah. Uh, that was a weird way to say it, candor. <laughs> but this is the last thing I want to leave us with, and we've already talked a yeah. little bit about transfers and the necessity of them in this current transfer window. And so I asked Pablo postgame, and I said very, very upfront, I said, do you think this team needs reinforcements to contend for MLS Cup? Because in my personal opinion, if that's not the goal, what are we doing here? And he said, and I quote, and it's a long one, so stay with me. I've edited a little bit for clarity and for time, but stay with me. He says, yeah, obviously when three players go out, we want to definitely bring three players in, in all the positions that kind of went out. I think it's important as we move towards the latter part of the season to have depth and not just depth, but quality depth. He would go on to talk about competition at spots. So I think it's important structurally from a roster perspective, but also from the comp, uh, the competition piece. And that was a much more open answer than I thought he was going to give. Yeah. I think it's pretty rare to see coaches come out and say that, yeah, we need pieces. Or maybe it's not rare, but it, not common. At RSL, it's, it feels rare. And he came out and he said it. I mean, he wants to add three new players. And he says he wants to add them in the positions that we saw leave. So that would obviously <laughs> be defensive mid and probably a winger or striker for Johnny Menendez and a left back perhaps in. I don't know, Aziz Kayondo staring right at you, but maybe we look outside of the club for that one. I don't know 
what we're going to see. There's only two weeks left in the transfer window. It closes August 4th. We don't have a lot of time to make big moves. We are now sitting in an extremely tight Western Conference playoff race, losing this game with FC Dallas one point behind us, sitting in fifth place. We're in fourth, and it's only going to get tighter. And unfortunately, some of the teams behind us are, wait for it, really good. We see Seattle Sounders bounce back this week against the Colorado Rapids. LA Galaxy are still the LA Galaxy with two hands, two games in hand, pardon me. And the Portland Timbers and Nashville SC are two really quietly solid defensive teams who I expect a lot from over the coming weeks. There's only so many playoff spots, and we could see ourselves slip under that line very, very quickly if we're not careful. I agree. There's only four points behind us with a game in hand. So if we are truly looking to compete for MLS Cup, which if we aren't, what are we doing here? And Pablo says we need to make three signings, or he wants to see the team make three signings. And we hear from Rob Zarcos that the owners are incredibly ambitious the one cog missing in that machine for me is a front office that can go out, scout players, bring them in, and bring difference makers to this roster. And so I am just crossing my fingers that signings get done and over the line, but I am kind of sick of waiting because so many teams get these signings done before the transfer window even opens, and then they're ready to play as soon as that calendar turns. And I just want to see that so badly from RSL because I think – for so long, we've been placated with the bare minimum. And I think Savarino, while an, in- an incredibly great luxury piece, she needs be- help. Exactly. He should be one of three. You have three DP spots for a reason. I don't think the club yeah. at any point has ever filled three DP spots with three full, untamable designated players. And I just want to ask why. We've heard that there are such good vibes in the locker room that Pablo maybe doesn't want to add players. That's what Rob Zarco said. Yeah. Is that there's so many great players that he thinks pablo specifically thinks that the vibes can get them to where they want to go then i asked justin glad in the post game i said we've heard a lot about the vibes in the locker room are they really that good and he said yes he said yes he thinks the vibes are really good and it's different from years past so maybe there is Mm -hmm. something to be had there but how do we know that a player is going to diminish those vibes and it just seems like a really convenient excuse to say oh those big money players they always come in and they're gonna ruin the vibes and not be good for the club or the team is a star mentality. Like, like Chris Cablon didn't come in and have to leave two weeks early because he didn't offer anything to the team. Like those things happen and you have to actually bring the signings in before you can say that they're a failure. So that's just what I want to kind of leave this game with as the transfer window dwindles down. And as we only have a few more podcasts to go before it does close on our faces, we got to get moving. And if we really do want to be MLS contenders, I think that this game, pretty well proved that we are still a few key pieces away. We also heard that Dami and Bobby Wood are closer than they were expected to be at this point. Uh, Speno said that on ESPN 700 in the pregame. So perhaps those two come back, but guess what? Those aren't summer signings as much as any fall might want you to believe. So adding those (laughs) players is not the equivalent to adding summer signings. So I've got, I've gotten very long winded with this, Ethan, but do you believe the three signings is enough for RSL? Is it, too much and it's going to hurt the vibes of the locker room and we can kind of leave the FC Dallas review with this. Um, I, I don't think so. I think that, I think that three guys is a good amount to bring in and something that the team should do. But I, like you said, man, if they were going to get something done, I kind of get the vibe and the feeling that it's not going to happen at this point. You mentioned two weeks left on the transfer window. It's, I, it's hard to, like you mentioned, I, I think that teams should really try to, you know, get thing, get things done, get deals done. If you don't and you let it linger, sometimes it falls through, kind of like what might have potentially happened with Gustavo Cuellar. And so um, as this team is still in an opportunity to sign people, I think it needs to happen. Don't know if it will. I hope it does. But it's it's RSL, man. It's It's been tough. And, you know, you mentioned we're, we're kind of on the lower end of being able to sign people and talent and whatnot. And it's unfortunate, but I think the team needs to do better. So especially at this point with Blitzer in control and, and Ryan Smith and everybody, I think that it's time. It's time to bring some guys in. So my, that being oh said, I do. I agree, Ethan. Let's wrap that up. And um, on that note, <laughs> on that note, on that note. Um, so that is all for the, the Dallas game. Um, if, you, if you were at the game, uh, great. If you Apologies. hope you enjoyed then, the fireworks. Yeah. Fireworks might've been the best fireworks of the night. Um, but Moving on to our game preview for next week. Um, RSL plays the San Jose Earthquakes next week on the road in San Jose. Um, 
If you remember, we have already played San Jose once this season, and we beat them 2-0. to zero. I think it was once, maybe twice, but most recently we played them, ended up winning that game 2-0. to zero. That was actually the last game, believe it or not, that San Jose did not score a goal in. Um, I believe it was a couple of weeks ago. Excuse me while I backtrack, June. but Dallas yes. hasn't won a game in eight straight games or two. Oh, yeah, for sure. No, I know. I know. So, uh, yeah, just in case you were like, oh, FC Dallas was a really great team. They are a very good team. They had a great result against Austin FC, and I predicted a draw. But, yeah, they hadn't won since May, so I don't know. Yeah. That also yeah, I mean, stinks. Just one, so, last, yeah. just one last little gut punch I really <laughs> wanted to get in on this this here, the, the year anniversary of the RSL Sunday's Positivity Podcast. Yes, <laughs> great. Uh, but but yes. San Jose, the second worst team in the West. <laughs> yes, second worst team in the West. Um, they're behind in the standings, been very inconsistent throughout this year um, and had a lot of ups and downs. But yeah, last time that they did not score a goal was against RSL. That was on June 18th, um, last time that these two teams met. Um, San Jose has been in a form over the last five games. They've won two games, lost two games, and had a draw. Um, allowing goals, but scoring goals in all of those games. I, I, do you want me to start know, with the, my prediction for the score in this one? Because I feel like yeah. since you're behind, you either get to make the decision of copying me or going out <laughs> on your own to try and make up some points. Yeah, if but we're at all interested in the prediction standings, we both came away with zero points from this one. I'm sitting on five yeah. points for the season. Ethan's sitting on 12. I don't know how I've been so horrendously bad. I have not gotten a single scoreline right all season. I've got a couple That's of crazy. like, uh, pre- not predictions, but uh, results correct, either wins, losses, or draws. But oh my goodness, I have not got the, the score right once, Ethan. Um, with that being said, okay, interesting. Um, so I'm going to predict a score in this game. Of, As we do every week for the last year on the RSL Sunday podcast. <laughs> yes, yes. Score prediction time. In case you aren't uh, privy to that information, um, score prediction for this game. I want to say the RSL wins this game, and I think they're very capable of doing so. And I think they it, need coward. it. I think they need it. But then say it. But you can go ahead and say it, and I know you will say it. You'll say the RSL is going to win, but I'm going to say the RSL is going to tie this game. It's going to be a draw in this one. Um, I'm going to say it's two to two. <laughs> I'm holding up my notes pad because I had already written down two, two draw. So, you don't no way. so you don't think that I'm just okay. copying you, Ethan. So I, I, I personally think two, two draw in this game and you I'll do too. It. Here is why. And I think we've got, good I think it's going to one. be a two, two loss. I think yes, we're probably going to be like up loss. and let That's in like true. two, like late goals. That's fair. Against Colorado. Um, San Jose has allowed um, two goals to be scored on them in uh, each of the last four games, which is interesting. And they've scored, like I said, in the last five, but allowing a lot of goals lately, scoring a lot of goals. So I think this one's going to be a mini goal fest with two goals per side to to draw. Alex, you agree with me? I mean, I guess I, guess. <laughs> I want to say two to draw, but. Now that you've said it, I really need to catch up with these predictions. Okay. So I've got, I've legally, I have to change and I have to say a 2-1 RSL win. Okay. I love about it. that. I definitely want to root for a 2-1 RSL win. And I, I don't know. I can kind of see the pathway there. San Jose are horrible. I mean, they're second to last in the West, even though you're playing them on the road. Avaya yeah. Stadium is not really a fortress. There's probably going to be maybe 10,000 fans there if they're lucky. So it's not like it's extremely difficult. They have one of the largest outdoor bars in the U.S. That's kind of cool. But again, not something that really makes me scared to play in San Jose. And they're kind of a shambolic team right now, which is one of my favorite words for a team that's pretty bad. Because, I mean, they're, <laughs> they're just going through so much in the wake of the loss of Matias Almeida, who was also kind of shambolic in his time there. But I just don't, I don't know. I don't see them as somebody we can't beat. And as a team sitting in fourth in the Western Conference in an extremely tight race, it, I mean... Anything else is a loss, right? I mean, even a draw is a pretty poor result on the road against that team. So I, yeah, I'm going to say a two. You know what? Actually, I am. I'm going to commit to it. 2-1 RSL win. I'm not even going to pretend like I did say 2-2 RSL draw. Because I think I think they've got a chance. And I think if if, if you got a player to watch in this one, mine's probably going to be, I already said Jefferson Savarino last week, so I can't say it again. It's going to be Anderson Julio because he's, oh, I mean, he's the man. Yeah, we're on the same oh, wavelength, Ethan, and I stole him right out from under you. It's going to be Anderson Julio because he's, he's he's good, and I want to see him utilized as more than come in late and get in behind because he's better than that. He's more dynamic than that. He's a better player than that. He offers more than just speed, 
and I want to see that actually utilized for the first time in a long time. So that's my that's my preview for this game, Ethan. Do you have anything else? Do you have a backup player that you could give us a player to watch? Yes, I do. Um, but I will add as well that as it, as Anderson Julio was going to be my one to watch for this game, and I will kind of talk about just mention why briefly. Um, if if we're both predicting RSL to get two goals in this game, I think that Julio is going to have something to do with it in the second half probably come off the bench in this game and that's fine but i think you'll have a big impact um i'm looking at the defenders on the roster for san jose not seeing a ton of big names uh jackson yule who plays kind of more of a as a defensive midfielder he's good but um maybe the fastest defender i guess fastest center back on the team is a, a guy by the name of nathan he's a brazilian came over to the team uh, i think a year or two ago um guess what anderson julio's faster than him and so I think Anderson Julio can definitely beat that back line, get a goal. I love that shout. But my one to watch is going to be, oh, boy. He needs it. He needs it. He needs his bounce back game. And so I'm going to say Justin Merrim. I think Justin Merrim has been a consummate pro in this league for quite some time. He knows how to bounce back from a bad game. After having a rough one this week, I think he's able to get it together. Pablo's probably going to start him again, which I would be very surprised if he doesn't get the start. Um he needs to play well, and I think he will. I think he has a bounce-back performance. Justin Merriam has a good game in this one, gets an assist, maybe a goal uh, like he almost had in this game today. So, yeah, Justin Merriam, my shout for uh, one the one to watch in this game. Uh, it'll be an exciting game to watch. Um, also, you mentioned to me in the middle of this game tonight for uh, the Dallas game that Paulo Ruiz is actually going to be unavailable mm, for this yes, San Jose Earthquakes game due to yellow card accumulation. No Paulo Ruiz. I expect to see a, a lawful send and probably a Scott Caldwell partnership, yeah, assuming that, that Scott Caldwell is, uh, I'm not sure exactly if he got COVID. I knew he was in health and safety protocols, but um, hopefully he's okay. If he didn't get COVID, I would say that he has a I'm good shot. I'm pretty sure they announced it as him getting COVID. Okay. So sure that was then, I, I doubt. I highly doubt that if Caldwell starts, he plays a full ninety minutes. He probably comes off a little early for a guy like. Don't kill Nick me, Beesler, Nick Beasler. Yeah, but like, don't kill me, Nick Beasler. What? What? Do you and Nick <laughs> Beasler have a lot of beef or something? Nah, man. Just Nick. You don't want. I don't think you prefer Nick Beasler. Like, I almost would have preferred Everton Louise at that spot, but. But I don't know. Um, but anyways, I, yeah, Nick Beasley will probably come in and get some time. But I expect Scott Caldwell to start there or maybe a formation switch up from Paolo, or from Paolo Mastroni. So we'll see what happens for this game. But Alex, do you have any remaining thoughts on your preview for the San Jose game? Not really. I want to take a second to just kind of apologize for my negative energy. We haven't lost <laughs> all year at home, and it's been an extremely quiet, almost silent transfer window for RSL. So I'm just in just in a little bit of a fandom funk right now, and I, I appreciate anybody that's made it this far in the episode for uh, allowing me to express myself in this 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 negative light. And I hope I hope next week things have changed for me because it was just man. Just not a good RSO week outside of the Monarchs. You brought me so much joy, but RSO, <laughs> man, they just flushed it all away. Alex, we accept you, we hear you, and... <laughs> I feel so validated, Ethan. Thank you so much. And on the year of our birth, our one-year anniversary, Ethan, I can't yes. believe we came away with a loss. RSL should have done us better. If you yes, have listened sure. to us for any amount of time, be that the one hour and three minutes we're currently looking at, or First for all, a thank whole you. year... Thank you so much. Yes. It's so cool to say that we have done this for a year now. And like, I'm starting to feel like comfortable in it and like the post game pressers and stuff like that. It's just yeah. starting to feel really good, man. And I just appreciate you taking the time with me every week to, to sit down and do this. And if you give some of your time to us, which is the most valuable resource on the planet, I appreciate that. And thank you all for all you do listeners. If you would like to rate and review, wow, this sounds weird. I sound like a YouTuber <laughs> right now. I, I feel so windy. <laughs> subscribe yeah subscribe down below we're on our own stream now so actually it, it would be very helpful uh if you went to the rsl sunday stream specifically and gave us however many stars you feel we've earned if, if we're one star podcast you know we're one star podcast and i feel that five would be great though five would be would, five would be super super cool but i'd uh, like yeah, five yeah rate and review the podcast below <laughs> i hated every second of that but yeah <laughs> No, yes, that's a great shout. Please rate and review the podcast on Apple and I believe Spotify is where you can find the podcasts. Um, yeah, thank you all for your time. And, um, you know, as reflecting back, as we, we hit the one-year mark, 
I've had a lot of fun and uh, this has been some of the most fun actually in this position that I've, I've really had in my life consistently. It sounds Might kind of nice. lame maybe, but like, it's just, it's been a lot of fun to be able to like talk about RSL, to be able to go to the games and to be able to interact with, you know, people that actually listen to our podcast and stuff. So I think so it's all been a so great fun. ride. And we have, like I said last week, I think we've got a lot of stuff coming in the future. Uh, we're just, really getting started which sounds very cliche and very cheesy but it's true so continue so to listen got any, we, like, your improvements support. you want from us get them in now so that we can yes. incorporate them in the future yes you're like Dang, this one thing has bugged me that since since episode one all the let us know there, all those year ago let us know about it <laughs> all right alex anything to mention before we wrap it up today no i'm looking at a 12 32 a.m time stamp on my clock down there in the corner so we got to get out of here ethan it is officially rsl sundays it is officially rsl sunday so make sure that you um you know leave a rating review <laughs> like like alex said make like sure to follow the hype <laughs> like and subscribe follow the hype sports at the hype sports on twitter also you can find myself at ethan kirsch on nine and find alex at alex mauer on twitter hit us up with any questions concerns or suggestions you might have for us once again thank you all for listening to the rsl sundays podcast episode today we appreciate your time hope you have a fantastic week and we will talk to you all next week see ya TheHiveSports.com has all the buzz on sports in the Beehive State, covering prep, college, pro, and church sports. No way, really? Okay, maybe not that last one. If you want to stay in the know about all things Jazz, Cougars, Aggies, and Utes, then this is the site for you. TheHiveSports.com. We may even feature your high school, so check us out today at TheHiveSports.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Check out TheHiveSports.com because we got the buzz.